would like you to think for a minute about the best news that you've ever received. So perhaps it was finding out that you were going to have a baby or that you got accepted for your dream job or you got into the course you wanted to at university. Perhaps it was that your house sold for a good price, which is very likely at the moment, I understand. Um, perhaps you won the lottery. If you do, if, you ha if that's good news you've had, maybe you could talk to me afterwards. I've got some things to say. Um, <laughs> or perhaps you had a health problem that you found out it's been completely resolved and everything's going to be okay. No more tests to be done. So a good piece of news, it can change everything. It can change your whole life uh, in an instant. And so this week is Easter week and we're celebrating, the, as we said, the resurrection of Jesus. His real physical resurrection coming back to life after being put to death on the cross. And so today is about a piece of very good news and of completely unexpected good news. And for Christians, we think this is the best news that has ever been told. Our Bible reading today from John is the start of the story of how the disciples of Jesus came to learn that he had risen from the dead. And this was something that was going to change their whole lives and indeed the course of history in an instant. It's a classic piece of unexpected good news. And I've, I've entitled my sermon, An Unexpected Party, which is a reference for those of you in the know to the first chapter of The Hobbit. Uh, Lord of the Rings references are ticking up this year pretty, pretty strongly. Um, now, as many of you know, in that story, Bilbo Baggins, his life is turned upside down by the unexpected arrival of guests at his house. And that party leads to a change of direction and a new adventure for him. Um, and in John 20, which begins in the reading we've just had from uh, Peter gave us and goes on for quite a bit more after that, there are a series of unexpected parties and gatherings. As in the days after his death, Jesus appears to his disciples alive and changes their lives and sets them on a new adventure to go out into the world. Now, most of us have heard the Easter story many times, so we know how it turns out. So it can be hard for us to read and hear the story as we might have over the last week with the perspective and the impact that it must have had at the time for those who had lived through the event of the crucifixion of Jesus that we remembered a few days ago. And so we pick up the story in John in our reading several days after Jesus was arrested, tried, crucified, and his body was laid to rest in the tomb. And the disciples of Jesus in that period are now having to deal with his death, which was for them a complete shattering of all their hopes and their dreams. The end of their faith, that they thought Jesus was the Messiah, and they thought, well, that's obviously not true. They thought that he was going to be God's king. That's obviously not going to happen. They'd lost their friend, they'd lost their mentor, their circle of friends and companions had broken up. And so it's a complete devastation and grief. And so we find them on early Sunday morning in a state of shock and trying to do the minimum necessary to honour Jesus now that he's dead. So Mary Magdalene, we read, went to the tomb of Jesus early in the morning to care for his body. And we heard in the reading the slowly unfolding realisation for her that everything was not as she expected it to be when she got there. So she gets to the tomb, the stone covering the entrance is gone, and the body is not there. And this is shocking for her, so she goes to get Peter and John to come along and see. Yes, they, see, they say something has gone wrong again. Even after Jesus has died, he's been buried, this isn't the end. Someone has taken him away, they say. So she stays and cries and who knows what she, what she went through her mind. There's nothing much else that she can do. But this is when we have the first unexpected party of the story because Mary isn't alone. 
we see that there are two angels who appear at the tomb. Though I must say, they seem to be like pretty low-key, unspectacular angels, because Mary isn't afraid of them. It's just like, oh, yeah, well, a couple of angels, whatever. Um, So they they have a chat. And then there's this mysterious gardener there who's a bit more than he seems. Now, Mary's a bit confused still, but she eventually realises it's Jesus who's talking to her. And so we know Mary Magdalene now is the first person who's ever seen Jesus risen from the dead. And so she hears, first of all, anyone in the world, this good news of the resurrection. And so for Mary, hearing this good news, she undergoes a complete transition in an instant from devastation to joy. Uh, but this party, doesn't st- doesn't, the tomb doesn't last very long. Jesus says, go back to Jerusalem. You've got good news to tell other people now. So she runs back to the other disciples and says, I've seen the Lord. He's alive. Now, I wonder how you would respond if you were one of the other disciples and Mary said this to you. I'd probably be quite sceptical of Mary, to be honest. And it's surprising that one of the disciples, probably John, already believed, we read, that Jesus had been risen just from seeing the empty tomb. In verse 8, it says, he went to the tomb and says, and he believed. Um, The rest of the story, though, is about how the disciples as a group gradually came to accept this good news as true and take it in that Jesus was alive. And what does that mean for them, they start to realise? And so it takes another couple of unexpected parties for them to realise this and to get on board. And so the first one is in the evening of the same day. Uh, We read in the next part of the story after our reading. I'd encourage you to keep reading in your own Bible when you go home. Um, The disciples were still very frightened after the crucifixion, so they all gathered together in a small room and locked themselves in. But then Jesus unexpectedly appears and crashes the party and he shows them that he's alive. Um, And that changes this gathering now. They're not fearful anymore. They're overjoyed. And they receive, we read, the gift of the Spirit from Jesus with his peace and joy. And so they probably unlock the doors. We're happy to go out now. The next unexpected party happens a week later and it's focused on Thomas. He was one of the disciples who missed out on the first meeting with Jesus and the other disciples. You know, maybe there was a Facebook event and he's just said, maybe I'll come, but, or he's interested, but he never actually made it. Because um, he thought it was probably going to be a bit of a depressing gathering, maybe. Anyway, so Thomas didn't see Jesus the first time. And so Thomas becomes, if you read on in John, the main character of the second half of the story. Mary's the first half, the main character. And Thomas's challenge is how to receive the good news of the resurrection and believe it even though he still doubts. Now, I always feel really sorry for Thomas because he's probably been subject to the worst nickname of anyone in the history of the Christian church. We all know him as Doubting Thomas. Okay, that's his Doubting Thomas. Now, But he only actually doubted for about a week and then for the rest of his life he believed in Jesus and was fully on board and he actually started the Christian church in India which still exists to this day. But he'll always be known as Doubting Thomas, unfortunately. So, you know, just imagine, you'll be known forever by the most embarrassing thing you ever did in your life. So that's poor Thomas. So in terms of believing the good news of the resurrection, Mary and Thomas have this sort of opposite story. So... Mary saw Jesus resurrected. She took a while to understand and believe that he was alive. Thomas, on the other hand, heard about it and only later saw him and believed. Those are different responses to good news. You know, for Mary, the news is so staggering that she just can't take it in. I don't understand. I mean, I guess if you were walking down the street and someone just walked up and handed you the key to a brand new car and said, it's yours, it might take a while to figure out what was going on or process it, you know might be a little sceptical. On the other hand, for Thomas, he's heard the good news, his friends have told about it, but what he needs is confirmation for himself. That's he's going to accept it. 
So that might be like the response, you know, when you get a phone call about getting successful, you've got the new job, but I want to see the contract and sign it before I really believe that it's going to happen. That kind of feeling. Before I allow myself to celebrate. So those are different ways the disciples responded to the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. And so I think the challenge of Thomas and Mary, it's still with us today on Easter Sunday, how do we receive the good news of the resurrection? And we hear it. Because the resurrection is still good news. It's a standing piece of good news for all history. Whatever else happened, the world changed that day and there is an invitation for us to believe and rejoice in it. And for some people, like Mary, it's only a matter of understanding what happened. Yes, Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead after he was crucified. And to understand that means moving, as Mary did, from this ordinary view of the world that we might have. You know, it's a place that in the end, things die. Nothing lasts. We lose everything that we have. To the sense, oh, actually, the world is different. There's a new sense of joy and possibilities, optimism about what God's doing. And Mary didn't expect that, but Jesus said if she and the other disciples had been paying attention to his teaching, then she would have. Because he says the, the story of the Bible was always pointing to this meaning and this event. God was going to defeat sin and death and start something new. That's what they always believed, or they should have known, if they'd been paying attention to what God had been teaching them. And so in that sense, the resurrection shouldn't have been unexpected if people understood more what God was like. So Mary's problem is understanding this and, and, and taking it in. For others like Thomas, the question is more about doubt and whether you can be sure that that actually happened. Um, because the evidence for such great, of a great piece of news is not as strong as we might want. Um, but what Thomas's story is meant to show that the issue for us is not physical evidence of the resurrection, but evidence that comes from an encounter, as Thomas had with the risen Jesus, actually experiencing him alive. So once Thomas actually experienced Jesus' personal presence, he doesn't still demand. He, you know, he, he asks, I just need to, I need to touch, I need to touch the wounds to see if he's still actually real. Once he sees Jesus and, and comes into a relationship with him, it doesn't, he doesn't need that anymore. And that happens in many different ways. It's something you experience spiritually. And of course, to this day, people experience Jesus alive and working in their lives, even though I've, I don't believe anyone here has seen him in his physical body. If you have, please share it with me. It'd be interesting to hear. Um, and this is why in the last verse of our reading, Jesus says to Thomas that there are those who believe without, sorry, in the end of John, uh, John chapter 20, that those who believe without seeing are actually the ones who are blessed because they have encountered Jesus and he taken him into their heart. And at that point, I think Jesus actually kind of looks out of the Bible text and speaks directly to us, you know, to believe in the resurrection of Jesus and to accept this good news is to be blessed. Because if we hear it properly, the news of the resurrection is the best news that we've ever received. And it's better than having a new baby, hard to believe. Better than winning the lottery, very hard to believe. But it is the news that gives hope and meaning to all of our lives and to all of history. And it says things are in hand. God is in control and things will turn out in the way that we hope and that he has planned. Death has been defeated. And so at Easter time, I want to remind you, we're being invited to an unexpected party that God's putting on for a whole human race to come and celebrate this good news with him. So let's continue to respond to that. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'll just close my message in prayer and then Joe will lead us in some prayers for our world. So let me pray. Well, Jesus, we thank you today for this unexpected good news of the resurrection. We pray that even if we have heard it many times, we will receive it as the disciples did, with their joy, 
and amazement. Now I pray that everyone here today would encounter your risen presence in their lives to believe as Mary and Thomas did. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Joe.